Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Masters. That's right. We've got a new Masters champion this evening, and joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what's up? Oh man, what a what, this was a like a roller coaster ride, right? You're thinking <laughs> this is over. First, it's it's complete. The tournament's over. Then all of a sudden, it's still it's even more. And then all and then all of a sudden, Xander Shoffley's try. This was a, a tournament that could have been extremely um, unexciting, for lack of a better word, and it turned into something that was very exciting. So yeah, another the, the Masters delivered again. It's delivered again is absolutely right. Also here, it's the coach. Hey coach, good to have you on a recap pod for, of course, the biggest event that we have. Uh, This is the greatest. And there was, it was like a teeter time, like Greg said, but also from a gambling perspective, we're going to get into it. Um, We had two winners from the early edge this morning, head to heads. uh, And just like we love, when the Masters app comes up and you know how like you'll hit your favorites and then they give you the update. I felt yeah. like at one point today, every update that was coming my way, double bogey, double bogey for my guys. And then yeah. at the end, we had Xander who came back. Despite the triple, we still won the head-to-head and that's what's important. So it was a good day all around for all of us. Uh, we've got a lot of Xander conversation. I've, I've got a lot of thoughts about that <laughs> scorecard that he put out there on Sunday and the masters. It, it may be over March madness may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps the NHL trade deadline, daily NBA, NHL and major league baseball action. We've got the RBC heritage coming up. Good field next week and NFL draft news and rumors. And of course, UEFA quarterfinals and you're home to stay in the know for all of it. Well, that's CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that is completely free. And how can you watch CBS Sports HQ? Well, it's very easy. It's available again for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports apps. Or if you're more of a YouTube person like myself, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Hideki Matsuyama is the newest Masters champion. It is his sixth career PGA Tour victory, Greg. He is the first Japanese men's golfer to win a major championship. Let's let's start with how the day started. A four-shot lead. I don't know if you had a takeaway, Greg, for kind of what his strategy was, if he employed one, if he just kept his head down. He bogeys number one. He gets it back at number two, so he's even par through two. And then things... Uh, they get a little shaky, but he's able to hold it together. 
Well, what, you know, one thing that the first thing that comes to mind with Hideki when I watch him play now is how good that short game is. And Rick, sure. earlier in the year, we we discussed him and how great he has been around the greens, which is kind of a change of pace. He's been hanging in tournaments with a short game and um, and and he had some streaks of better ball striking this week. And, and the putter, the putting seems to have improved as well, which helped him get this win. But as for strategy, the advantage of having a four shot lead and being in the final, uh, the final pairing is you have everything in front of you. You know exactly what you have to do. You can see when guys make a charge and where they make a charge. So, um, you, you know, when you have to be aggressive and when to kind of throttle it back a little bit. And, and it, it was evident on the first nine today that holes, I, you could even include three in this, but specifically yes. four, five, six, and seven played extremely difficult. And the wind was really high at that point when the leaders were going through there. The wind was up for most of the players um, the, in the earlier wave. So what that does is it it limits the charge. It puts the halt on the charge and it gives Hideki a, a calm. He can go about his business. He can play the hole the way it's supposed to be played. He doesn't have to take on any unnecessary risk and and it puts you in control. Right. It's like this is the analogy that we talked about in match play with with playing horse. Right. You you control the game at all points because you get to see what they do first at every step of the way. And it, it really um, he, there wasn't much that he had to do. He could hit it into the back bunker at 12 and four is a, a perfectly fine score. He, he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to take on any risk. And um and that's what he did. And then when you when you hole a couple of putts and you make birdie at eight and nine, it kind of seals the deal and makes the second nine that much easier. Um, but but also like the putt at number five was huge for momentum. Huge. It just mm-hmm. it just keeps you out of that shaky zone where you start to say, oh, it's getting away. It's getting it, it kept him squarely in control. So, that, yeah, there were a couple of big moments for him on the first nine. Uh, yeah, that the, the first nine coach, uh, Greg, Greg references holes three, three, three through seven. He makes par on all of those holes and gains strokes on the field. All of those holes were playing mm-hmm. over par and Greg references. Yeah, he flies the green on three, but he's able to get up and down from there. Five, he hits into the fairway bunker and five is a brute. Five is horrible. You, you're in that fairway. You're in the fairway. It's hard to make par. You're in the fairway bunker. It's almost impossible. He rolls it in at a warp speed, probably dents the cup as it goes down, gets par there. And then he finally gets to the reprieve that is eight, takes advantage of eight. He birdies nine. And now he is two under through his first nine holes heading into the second nine. And I'm thinking, okay, start, start engraving the trophy here. This is the moment I thought it's over. Hideki's got this. And as we played through the nine and I I felt the same way that you did that making those big putts, we're going to allow him to coast a little bit, but what, what did we see guys on the second nine? We saw what makes the masters so great that you still have to go out there. And it's not just about, Greg said it. Well, he could hit into the back bunker on 12. Well, you can't say at Augusta National, well, just hit it in the middle of the green and make a two-putt, and you're good. Because we saw him on 15. He carries the green, goes back into the water. You still have to hit the shots. And if you don't hit the shots, all of a sudden water comes into play. All of a sudden there's a double bogey or a triple bogey. And I thought Hideki did a great job, even when he made the mistakes coming in, that he still was able to hit enough good shots, putting the pressure on Xander putting the pressure on speed to have to make a birdie on every single hole and just wasn't able to do it. But at the end of the day, Hideki knew that the other guys had to come and get him and they all made the mistakes. Jordan made them early. Xander made it late and Hideki stayed relatively 
calm throughout, still shot over par, but he didn't have to shoot under par, which is why those of us who are really smart in the gambling betting community, we played Xander against Hideki because all he had to do is play defense. Everything we said today on the early edge is what happened today with Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, that second and nine. Coach. Sorry, sorry, Greg. Yeah, hit it. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to add to that point, like if you watch Xander start to make that charge, he makes birdie at, but he birdied 12, 13, 14, 15. So he makes four in a mm-hmm. row. Um, so he's on a three birdie stretch when Hideki's on 15 and he's sitting in the fairway at the very same spot that um, that Sebi Ballesteros was sitting back in 1986 where he hit it into the, uh, the water short of the green. And all of a sudden, because of what Xander was doing, because of the charge that Xander was making, Hideki felt like a, a birdie would go a really long way here. And so he got a little bit more aggressive. And maybe he just hit a bad shot. It came out a little low and a little left of what he expected. But it seemed to me like... The, the play there, if you are if you have a, a three-shot lead, is to hit it way out to the right and then mm-hmm. two-putt for a birdie. If it gets in the bunker, if it trickles over, you, you make five at worst. And so because Xander's charging, he gets a little more aggressive. But then on the very next hole, on 16, when things have really tightened up, Xander goes first and hits it in into the water. And it makes... It's over, yeah. Yeah, bogey. But all of a sudden, <clears throat> bogey's fine. Yep. Even though yep. Zalatoris is doing what Zalatoris is running out of holes. So it's going to be really hard for him to catch him. And all of a sudden he can hit, he takes the water completely out of play and <laughs> leaves himself a tough two putt, but still it, it's not, that you're was not enough. making five, you're not making six, you're making four at worst. That pressure was applied to Hideki Matsuyama for about six minutes. That, that was about the amount of time it lasted before Xander hits it into the drink on 16. We're going to talk about him in a second. But to wrap up, Hideki Matsuyama's second nine. So he makes bogey on 12. He gets it right back at 13. He makes bogey on 15, flying the green on his second shot into the water. And then he makes bogey on 16. But coach, those two holes, I didn't think it was all that bad. Like he, I mean, he nuked his second shot on 15 into the water. That's whatever. Maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe he missed his number, whatever it is. Uh, 16. He just hits it on the, on the, the safe side of the green after watching what Xander does. And then he's not a very good putter. He three butts. That's, that's fine. I'm willing to write that off. Really the one, the one really bad swing that he took on the second nine, in my opinion, was sitting in the middle of the fairway on 18 wedge pitching wedge in hand from 125 yards out. That's automatic for decky bot. This guy just hits it to, 12 feet every single time sprays it into the bunker and now i'm thinking okay this this could get get hairy (laughs) i i thought at first that maybe it would have plugged because it was a wedge and they weren't showing the way the lighting you couldn't really see the ball very well so i thought maybe it was plugged and if that's the case then maybe that friday he has to score it it goes over now we we might have an issue but i also because And I'm one of the announcers, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this before, but I try to now at this point in my career, I don't try to romanticize things unless they deserve to be romanticized, right? And when you think of the fact that Hideki Matsuyama, I've been to, I've I've told people on many occasions, if I did not live in the United States, the country I would want to live in is Japan for a lot of reasons, but because of the people and the people love each other and they love their heroes and they love their, their sporting icons and the way they treat their athletes over there. I wish we treated our athletes here uh, like that, but I just like the way they live. I like the Japanese culture. I I love it all to, to know what I've experienced over there and to know that he's one of their beloved sons and he was still able to keep that pressure. And that pressure is real guys. It's real. You're talking about probably 
10 to $30 million he's going to make off of this win alone in uh, endorsements and all these different things. That is real pressure. And he was able to handle that today. And I thought he did it in, in great fashion. And congratulations to him. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like, guys, when we get to the Olympics in That's August. Right. And, and it would not surprise me if we see him walking out, holding that damn flag as a Masters champion. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It could be an awesome, awesome thing. He's going to, he's, I think he's going to light the torch, Greg. I mean, this is uh, coach is absolutely right. I mean, this is, this is Monday morning. I'm sure all uh, televisions were tuned into what was going on at the masters. You know, they, they piped us into the feed a couple times with the, with the Japanese commentary. Yeah. And, and this is, um, you know, we probably can't even do a good enough job of, of quantifying it or, or, or painting the picture of, of how big this is for, Japan for the game of golf in Japan for, I mean, everything, this, this victory for Hideki. Japan is, um, it, they love golf over there. There are a ton of golf courses and a ton of golfers and it's a beloved event. I mean, I, I don't know if this has any impact on what, um, is taking place in Japan. I would imagine Hideki Matsuyama's Wikipedia page is run by someone who's Japanese. That would just be a guess. And at five ten this evening, my producer from SiriusXM sent me a, a text message and it said, um, you know, Hideki Matsuyama's Wikipedia page already has him as the winner. And it said he won. He was on 14. He was on 14 at the time. And so you just, you think about what, I don't know who's running that page. I can't speak to that exactly, but it just, they are, um, expecting a victory at that point. And it, it, um, it just simply adds to pressure. And you can imagine that if somebody is going onto that page and changing that and expecting that victory, there are uh, there's a whole nation of people that are expecting the victory by the time you get. I mean, today, when he starts on on hole number one and then when he gets through the first nine, it's locked up. It's sealed. The, the deal is sealed. And then you get a guy like Xander Shoffley chasing you down, making a bunch of birdies in a row and Will Zalatoris hanging in there and the pressure just continues to mount and mount and mount. So yeah, it's hard for me to quantify. I know less than, um, than, than you do coach about, about how that culture is and how much they love it. But I can tell you, um, Hideki Matsuyama, no matter what he does, like here in America, there are a couple of players that whether they shoot 72, 82 or 62, they're being covered. Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods, maybe. Yeah, I mean, those are that really might be the, the list. Guys. Yeah, that, yeah, might, yeah, that, that might be the list. Realistically, yeah. it's the list. I was going to say Rory, but Rory's gotten to a point where I, I don't even think he's in that category unless it's at the Masters. Hideki Matsuyama faces that pressure week in and week out for a whole nation, whether he shoots. Uh, 85 or 65 or wins a master. He's, he's getting all the same coverage and it, it's um it's relentless coverage and they, they love him. And so this will be, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of him. I'm happy for him. I, I told this story a couple times this week. I mean, I was at Shriners a couple of years ago, Thursday morning, 7 15 AM. There is no one out there. There are six total fans on the course and there's like five Japanese press guys following every wow. shot that Hideki's hitting. I mean, this is every, it doesn't matter what event, doesn't matter what course, doesn't matter, whatever. He is uh, being covered like in the major championship. So you can imagine what happens when he actually does win a major championship. A couple of my favorite stats from this victory for Hideki coach. One, this now moves players who held a four shot lead after 54. It moves them uh, to 12 and 
16 all time in converting them to victory. And then this one's my favorite. Hideki Matsuyama becomes the seventh player ever to earn both low am honors and win a green jacket. That is full circle stuff. I love that. Did, did it shock you guys when you heard them say the first time this weekend, Hideki Matsuyama playing in his 10th Masters this week? I'm like, what? Yeah. What? And they said, and he's only 29 years old. 29. I'm like, what? And I, 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 it was a combination of I didn't think he was that young, but I also didn't think he had played in that many Masters either. And it just really shocked me. And, yeah. and I actually thought, you know, Mark and I, uh, last night, Saturday night, and I thought he put it perfectly because I said I said the same thing. I told Mark, I'm like, listen, I hope Hideki goes bogey par just so that like we get something close out of the gate here. And Mark said, you know, listen, if if this is a four or five hour coronation of a well deserved champion, that's okay. That can be the storyline. You know, it's well deserved. And I was like, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, and we talked about this a little earlier in the week, the anniversaries that live on this day um, and. Uh, on this week, this this Masters in 2021, do you think five years ago of Jordan Spieth, uh, 10 years ago in 2011 with Rory McIlroy, and then you go back to 1986 and you had it, that that tournament is remembered for what Jack Nicklaus did. But you also have to think about it and remember what Seve Ballesteros did and what Greg Norman did coming down the stretch. They weren't necessarily holding a five shot lead, but there was disaster for both of them. Uh, that cost them the tournament. And so there have been in this kind of five, five, 10 or 15 years ago, or um, a number along those lines, you've seen some really dramatic happenings take place. And when Hideki got through number 12, I kind of thought he was safe. And then, and then when he hit the shot on 15, I said, have I been have I been fooled? Because I'm waiting for, okay, he's got to get past it. Okay, he did that. He's checking off all the boxes. He got past here. He's still in com- clear control. He's still going to do. And then all of a sudden on 15, and Xander almost holds it for Eagle. It's like, oh, oh. is this really going to happen again? Yeah. So it was, I, I do think it's an important part of the story. It, it is. And that is why I'm going to listen. We're going to talk plenty about Will Zaltors. He finished runner up. He finished one shot back here. But with Xander and Hideki playing together and the story kind of being that for the vast majority of the event, let's jump down to Xander Shoffley and talk about this. Because, coach, if I would have told you that Xander Shoffley made seven birdies on Sunday at the Masters, including every hole from 12 to 15. I'm assuming you'd think the result would be different than him finishing, finishing three shots off the lead. hundred percent. I, I would have <laughs> thought that he would have won it because nobody ever moves forward in the masters unless they're forced to. Well, if you're going to tell me that Xander has seven birdies, that means he wasn't forced to until after the 12th hole. And then it's, it's a little hard to flip that switch and say, okay, now I've got to start making some birdies because this guy is coming up on me and I had like three buddies who follow us on our bets on the early edge and they were hot you know how it is they love it when you're picking winners but all of a sudden of they're like they're like Xander's terrible they're like this is like on hole six hole seven I was like listen he's a grinder he's the classic comeback make the birdie putt you don't realize it they don't show him then all of a sudden he's done two three or four in a row and that's exactly what he did on the back nine they tell the story and or it was Marty Smith this morning on Sports Center talking about how Xander back in 2014 he admitted what he this week what happened back then when he was standing on the 13th tee and he had to lead the Masters he's like oh snap I got to lead the Masters and then hit a bad drive and the rest was bad how is this going to affect him guys 
think about this. And, and Jim Nance sticking the knife in as he goes, you, we never see balls in the water at 16. Anymore. I know. Maybe, I know. Right? Maybe in the old days, but not now. You're like, thanks, Jim. But how is that going to play on Xander's psyche when he knows he was right there? And again, and it was the first triple he'd had ever in a major championship, ever in his career. And it happened on the 16th hole at the Masters when he would have been with a par. He would have been one back with a par. There's two different disasters for Xander Shoffley, Greg. Holes three through five that he played four over, including a double on five, and the triple that he took on 16. And you can look at the triple that he took on 16 because he said he had the right number. He said he hit it perfect. He said he flushed it. And maybe they misread the wind or whatever that you, you maybe you give him a pass on that one. Um, for me, things, things started to spin for him on three. He hit a perfect drive is right down where everybody else was. He hits that pitch up to the elevated green, leaves it at his feet. Things start to spin. Didn't hit a great shot into four. Uh, five gets out of hand very quickly. And it, it kind of took him a second to get this back. I, I'm more concerned about the on a major championship from three four and five than I am about the shot that he hit on 16. I understand what you're saying. And he gave away the tournament. He gave away a realistic chance of the tournament during that stretch twice. Mm -hmm. And it became like like the run from seven to 15, where he makes all those birdies. Uh, The only other holy bird. So he made six birdies in that stretch. He also birdied number two. Um, But, but during that, that stretch, you almost feel like you're out of it. it you're, you're basically done. You're just trying to, you're playing for position. You're oh, of course trying to play as best you can, but you're thinking after number five, uh, your tournament is over. Your chances of winning are over. So that stretch is kind of an easy stretch. And then all of a sudden you get an opportunity on 16 where you're back in the mix. Now, because Hideki hit it in the water at 15, long of the green, now you're back. You've been let back in. Um, mm-hmm. you were, you're in the mix after you make birdie at hole number two. You're right there. And so both times you get yourself right there in position, all of a sudden you go on a little bit of a bad run. You hit a bad shot. And it it, it is concerning. I do think, Rick, however, um, three, four, and five played very difficult. And I think he'll look at those holes and say, okay, I hit a bad tee shot at five and kind of got a bad break. He got away from me more than it normally would over there. And you can almost almost write that off because you put yourself back in the mix. You, you came back from it, but 16 is so final. All of us, there, there's no opportunity mm-hmm. to come back. It's like hitting it in the water on 17 at sawgrass. It's, it's over. It's over. It's done. It's over. There's no yep. chance to come back. And so at that point, that's the one that's going to stick in his mind. Um, now he did everything that he could. I understand that, but I, I think, um, Xander in this one probably handles this. Okay. And the reason is he was, he was trailing. He wasn't expected to win headed into the final day and he got himself a chance to, to, he put himself up to the test and he gave himself that chance, which is, which is well-deserved. But the, the next question for Xander and Kyle and I've talked about this many times is what happens with the lead. So this doesn't, this yeah. doesn't fall in the category to me of, I can't do it. Whereas if he were in Hideki's shoes and lost this tournament, if the roles were flipped and Xander right. was Hideki right. with a four-shot lead and hits it in the water at 16, he he could start to say, I can't do it. I can't play with a lead. What's wrong with me playing with a lead? Whereas he has plenty of evidence of coming from behind and trailing and chasing. So I, I think he's going to leave this tournament feeling um, 
and not too much has changed. There's still some things he's got to work on in his game, but I don't think he's going to leave here um, too brokenhearted. Uh, that, that's he, he will leave there a little broker though because it cost him about eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> but, but I digress. I digress. Well, well, coach, how about this? Because it, it is interesting, right? You've got a guy who is going to wake up tomorrow morning, uh, the fifth ranked player in the world, and I think there's a lot of questions about that fifth ranked player in the world because he's never heard it on any of his fifty four hole leads. All of his, all four of his PGA Tour victories have come from uh, have come from behind. He's been. Yeah. He's been trailing in going into the final rounds. And he's also a guy that we probably, we kind of lump. So there's, there's Tony Finau's bucket, which is like he top fives, top tens, everything, but never wins. And then there's just kind of like adjacent bucket, which is like, okay, Xander Shoffley has won a couple of times, but he still doesn't win as much as he should. And he's the fifth ranked player in the world. How do we reconcile all this? Well, first of all, I think the world rankings the way they do is an absolute joke. You know, the fact that Will Zalatoris is in the <laughs> world top 50 is kind of a joke. But you know what's going to be tomorrow, coach? You know what he's going to be tomorrow? This oh, will drive you please, crazy. T- yes, it will. Tell me. 27. Stop it. Stop 27th it. 27th ranked player in the world. Stop it. But <laughs> these new guys that come out, they just get points <laughs> and they don't lose any points. Stop. All you can do is accumulate points, and that's a system. Come on. But regardless, Xander now, and there's there's becoming more and more examples in Hawaii when he couldn't two putt to win there, and now we're talking. We, we this year, what have we been saying on the show all the time? Oh, he's a he's a top twenty five machine. Well, he's been a backdoor top twenty five machine. By the way, Tony Finau did go top ten today. Uh, but now with Xander and getting in these big spots, and everybody saying he's the best player on tour, everybody talks about it. He's this. Well, he's not to me. Because he puts himself in these positions and then he fails one time after another. And I understand he's getting big paychecks, but so is Tony Finau. Some of, the, some of these other guys that stack cash, Xander's got to sit down with himself after this performance and say, what do I need to do in order to take my game to another level that I'm constantly up there, but I'm also playing from the lead? Because you guys bring up great points. He never plays from the lead. It's always come from behind. And that's an issue. And he's got to figure that out. Will Zalatoris finishes runner up, Greg. This kid answers every single question. As I mentioned, he is going to wake up tomorrow as the 27th ranked player in the world. He's still not going to be a fully exempt PGA Tour member. So while we're rewriting the official world golf rankings, while we're doing all the system, <laughs> maybe we need to look at, uh, I don't know, FedEx Cup points, how the tour handles, all, how they distribute these cards, because this is this is bonkers at this point that this guy is not mm-hmm. a full member. Crazy. Yeah, well, he it's, the, the issue that he had was COVID, COVID did this to him. So I don't think we have to rewrite any rules here because <laughs> we're rewriting he, them he all. Would have, he, he would have won. Uh, he would have earned his card through the Corn Ferry Tour last year. Right. He earned yeah. that position. And Correct. so I, I think there's a great fortune. And also with the official world golf rankings, while it may not be perfect, I, I, I think it's a pretty good system. Um, as I've looked at this and thought, how, how do we make this better? I think they do a pretty good job of covering all their bases here. Now, Will Zalatoris gets, um, he, he gets opportunities because he's able to continue to excel and, and earn these, uh, world golf ranking points. It gets him into events. It gets young stars and young faces into events like world golf championships. And I, I think there's a place where that's a good thing. Although I understand your concerns, coach, it's, it's not a perfect system. I totally understand that. Um, but Will Zalatoris, Rick, you, do you want have something to add there? No. I was just going to tee up for something else. Keep going. (laughs) Um, So what, 
Well, yeah, I'll just I'll tee myself up. Um, there you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> this week, Will Zalatoris, for a while, this tournament was reminding me of the 2014 Masters, where Bubba Watson is kind of in a runaway, and Jordan Spieth's the only, he's the closest mm-hmm. he's he's the only guy who would be there if something collapsed and fell. And after Xander went through that spell at, um, at, at three, four and five, it kind of felt like that. You have the, the young masters rookie challenging and experienced masters player who's doing everything the right way. And I kind of had this feeling of Bubba and Jordan with, uh, with Matsuyama and, and Zalatoris. So that was very interesting to me, but it's important for me to bring up at the beginning of the week, I was very high on experienced players. And I said, this week would be, uh, it's going to be important because of the the more difficult conditions. It's going to be important for you to have experience and understand how to play the golf course and do all these things well. Well, Will Zalatoris, in a way, proved me wrong because this is his first Masters. But at the same time, he works very hard with um, with the guys from Decade Golf, Scott Fawcett and Lou Stagner, yeah. on how to, how to attack golf courses, how to play golf courses, and um, what the statistical percentages are and 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 he said in a message to them hey uh, you guys have given me 25 years in in you know less than one year and i think that's really valuable and really important so he is understanding how to play golf courses the strategy that he deployed this week was much was advanced beyond his years um and that's what jordan spieth did in 2014 and 15 as well so i i see a similarity between those two players they're different in their style but their uh their tact and strategy around here um i think is quite similar not only has will zalator has been piling up top tens coach but the two the last two major championships that he's played so the two that he's played uh, since 2020 t6 at winged foot Runner up at Augusta National. Uh, my goodness, he he answers the bell. And if I'm other players, I'm not even looking at his game because his game is top notch and he's going to be here for a long time. If I'm another player on the PGA Tour, I'm looking at his interviews on Saturday and his interview after his round on Sunday. And I'm saying that should be how I should look at everything. And what I'm talking about is when Amanda Balionis asked him today about, you know, being in this position, you know, exalted in his very first Masters, he's like, I've been dreaming about this since I was a kid. This is all I've ever wanted to do. So now that I'm in this position, why should I just go out there and try to take it? Why should I just go out there and try to win it? And I'm like, how come more athletes can't think like this? He knows that he's going to make all the money he could ever make. And I think a lot of times athletes get caught up in the, here's what I'm going to win if I win. And that just completely tears them down. He's like, I want to go out there and see how much I can win and see how, how high I can climb. And that's a completely flipped upside down mindset that most athletes, when they get to that level, don't have. I think by what I saw yesterday and today, that I can confidently say that Will Zalatoris for the next 15 or 20 years is going to consistently compete at a high level, but he's going to win at a high level because winning doesn't bother him. And most Mm -hmm. athletes, winning bothers them. And it doesn't for him. Yeah. He basically took the mindset of like, well, somebody's going to win this golf tournament. It might as well just be me. I, I, I might as well just go out there and win it, which is awesome stuff with this runner up finish. He has guaranteed him spot himself a spot in the masters next year, because everybody with a top 12 will do that. Um, we're going to talk about Jordan Spieth. We're going to talk about John Rahm. We're going to give an update for our one and done and our betting cards. But first we've got to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. 
Remember that the Champions League is down to eight teams. And after this week, that number will be cut in half following the second leg of the quarterfinal stage. And if you haven't already, make K Galazzo the podcast of your of your complete UCL coverage before and after the biggest matches, including PSG versus Bayern Munich and Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Follow K Galazzo for premier picks and immediate recaps of all the action. Download anywhere you find this podcast. Greg, it wouldn't be a first cut podcast if we didn't talk about Jordan Spieth, who's going to card a T7 at the 2021 Masters, thanks to a Sunday 70. And this is this is so strange, Greg. Um, it was a disappointing T3. Like, I don't know. I, I know that's not true. I know that is not actually true, but we were at a full on fever pitch like Jordan Spieth runaway freight train. He's going to win the Masters. This is obviously another amazing finish, but like, wow, he's in it again. This guy, this guy doesn't stop. Yeah, he's he's living in contention right now, which is <laughs> great to see. It's a nice change of pace. But again, yeah, I go back. This is what Jordan Spieth is. This is who this kid is. Um, and this is a disappointment for him. It, it, the the week as a whole is disappointing for a couple of reasons. I, I think the um, – and it's it comes down to big numbers. It's the double on seven yesterday, and it's the triple on nine on uh, on Thursday. And those two of, – of all the things that happened today, the putts that narrowly missed – I mean, he was living on the edge. He hit the ball beautifully for the week. He hit 14 of 18 greens in two rounds. He hit 16 of 18 greens in another round. And on Sunday, he hit 12 of 18 greens. I mean, wow. he's hitting the ball beautifully, which is a which is great to see. The putts slid by. And look, that's going to happen from time to time. It's not a big deal. It's just he has worked so hard to get rid of the big number and the big number was killing him during this stretch um, from 2017 to this year. It was, it was killing him. He was making doubles in every single round. It seemed at least in every tournament. And he's gotten rid of that over the past month. I, I don't think he's made a single double from the waste management up until this week. And now you end up with a triple bogey and a double bogey and it ends your chances. So that's, I think, the disappointment that Jordan Spieth walks away with this week. But at the same time, um, it, it's very clear now that he is really back. And and this will hopefully just keep him hungry. And we're it's looking like we're going to have a, a season of Jordan Spieth being in contention, which is just so good for the First Cup podcast. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good for the First Cup podcast. It's so good for the game of golf. And coach, I think we are done uh, getting long numbers on Jordan Spieth. That is out the window. Anytime he tees it up, I'm imagining he's going to be one of the top three or four favorites in the field. And when he goes and plays some of these smaller events, he's going to be in single digits. I mean, Jordan Spieth is back. Uh, it's it's good to see, but we're going to pay for it. <laughs> I, I would dare say we're not going to see a plus 2000 anytime, probably for the next year or longer. And true. the announcers have already killed us for the PGA Championship because anytime announcers say something on TV, Vegas always listens. Oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, oh. Uh, Spieth is going to love playing Kiwa Island. Well, let's, you know, and it's, but I'm okay with, I'm okay with the short number because. I'm okay with not betting on Jordan Spieth because I love it when he's in contention. I saw some clown on Twitter today say, I hate it when Jordan Spieth talks to his golf ball. I have to turn it on mute. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's one of the greatest things in golf. You had a major championship. He's in contention, and he literally walks you through every single shot. His second shot on 15, how fascinating was that, guys, to hear him talk with, with Michael and what they were going to do, how far he was going to go, how was he going to get around the tree, where he was going to set himself up to get to – 
that is that is just magical stuff yeah. that you just don't get literally from any other player. I'm done with the he's back talk. We're not going to talk about that much. He's to me, he's now a top five player. I don't care what his ranking says. He's a top five player in the world right now. And he's playing like it every single week. And I can't wait to see where he's going to play next and how he's going to keep this top five streak going. I blame Michael Greller for him not winning today. Why would you shave this beard on either Saturday night or Sunday evening, Greg, of of Masters Week? Are you trying? You're trying to change the juju? He's been go- he's been awesome since the start of 2021. The guy shows up on the first ten, you recognize him. Yeah, hey, hey uh, um, maybe there's something there. I don't know that that to me goes beyond any analysis that I can did. He provide. did he lose a bet? Like what happened? I don't know. You just don't do it. You don't. Is that the kind of thing that you have to like pass with your? You got to clear with your boss. Yes. Okay. Can I? Can I grow a beard? Is something for most people? You know, you got to pass dress code, right? Can I? (laughs) Hey, Jordan. uh, I'm thinking about. um, I'm thinking about wearing jeans tomorrow. Is that okay? No, you can't wear. You can't wear jeans tomorrow, Michael. I'm thinking about shaving my lucky beard tomorrow. Is that okay with you? No, Michael, that's not okay. You can't, you got to wait until at least Monday. So I don't know. It's a a very interesting thing, but coach, I completely agree with you. Jordan Spieth is the, uh, the most entertaining player in the game. There's no, I, there's no question to me about that. There is nobody that draws the eyeballs more than Jordan Spieth, and it's because he's so audible. He gives it to, you. he tells mm-hmm. you they have. There's ups and downs and highs and lows and funny and serious and you you want to laugh and you want to cry. He elicits emotion, if that's the right word that I. But, and he brings out emotion in us, and we love it. And we can relate to it, and it's it's the best thing in the game. So uh, I agree. I'm far from muting it. I'm turning it up when Jordan Spieth Damn right. hit a ball. Damn right. The round of the day goes to John Rump. Two shots better than anybody else, a six under 66. And this was actually pretty interesting, Coach, because uh, John Rom opens the Masters with three consecutive rounds of 72. But that's not all. Each of the nines that he played, each of the six nines that he played were exactly 36 apiece. I was actually kind of rooting for him to go out and shoot 36 on the front, 36 (laughs) on the back, and just probably be the first guy to ever do that ever. I I don't know. I imagine. I'd have to dig through the numbers, Uh, but instead he goes out and shoots a six under 66. It is going to be a backdoor top five. He kind of mentioned in his post round interview to Amanda Balionis that uh, this didn't feel like he was going to win it. He actually pointed out an exact moment. I think he said in 2018, when I was standing in 15 fairway, that's the closest I've ever been. Something like that, which I thought was kind of cool that John Robb could pinpoint the moment that he felt the closest to winning the Masters. I love when these guys point out how they feel because, I, you know, my main sport was basketball. I played at a pretty, pretty high level in college. And when you master a sport to where, like, we don't know when we're hitting the ball, we don't know exactly how far it's going to go. We don't know where, you know, but these guys do. And they're in the moment and they're, they're the masters of their craft. And when I hear him say things like that, you're like, man, how did he continue on to still keep that laser focus to do that? Well, today, I, I don't think today was about laser focus. I think it was just about shooting the lowest number that he could. And when he's free, like a lot of these guys, like a Rory, like a DJ, like a Speed, when they're free, they can go out and shoot a 65 or a 66. So I thought that was pretty incredible. Uh, to your uh, nugget about the numbers, I was shocked, shocked to hear that Jordan Speed was the first player in the history of the Masters to birdie hole 10 
all four days. Yeah. All four. I'm not surely maybe Tiger done it once or Jack or just some random player just stumbled into four birdies. But that shows how hard that hole is that that doesn't happen. So uh, the numbers, I love number kind of stuff. And I know you're a number guy and, and Greg too. But uh, I, I thought Ron really set himself up nicely today. Uh, I think he would have taken with the baby coming. You told him, hey, you're going to have a, a, a T3 uh, to the top five that he would have taken that. I think he would have, to be honest with you. Um, he's not happy he lost, but I think he can take this confidence and take it into the rest of the majors this year. And he's going to be now at the top of the list, guys, at least in my opinion, of guys that don't have majors yet that need to start winning them and winning them now. They can't wait anymore. It's got to start happening in 2021. You know, it's kind of interesting because I think I agree with you, coach. And and I think I gave Rory a pass for a long time. And Rory's what, seven years without a major championship. And I just yep. kept being like, oh, it's coming. It's Rory. There's plenty of these. It's for a year. It'll be fine. Uh, there's also a lot of other great players out there. There's also yes. new, co- new players coming all the time. So I, I, I think now more than ever, I agree. Like, Hey, you got to start winning them now. Cause you might not get a chance to do it later. Yeah, there there was a, a moment, Rick, to that point where um, they were Will Zalatoris got up and down on number five, and he was short of the green. He was in front there, and the the whole location's up on that um, knob where if, if you miss a little to the right, it goes to the right. A little to the left, it goes to the left, and he rolled it right up the center. And they were talking about how that's kind of the it's one of those moments where it's the the beginner's luck. Almost you, you don't know, yeah. you don't have the experience in missing, and how bad, how disastrous <laughs> it can be. So you kind of. Yes. And there's a little advantage to that. When you get it out of the way early, it it frees you up to continue to go and, and do it all along. Whereas for a guy like, uh, think about Rory McIlroy and his all of his chances at, at the Masters. You know he's going to have one every single year, an opportunity, to, but they just keep on sliding by. Arnold Palmer never won a PGA championship, right? The, the longer you wait the more difficult it it gets, the the greater the pressure gets. And everyone starts to feel like a little more and a little more and a little more of any player with a career grand slam. And this is more towards Rory than it is towards um, than it is towards John Rahm. Although John Rahm should, I, I think he'll be in this category at one point. Nobody's ever won the career grand slam going more than three years in between their third winning their not, not their third major interesting their third leg of the grand slam third leg right. the fourth never been third more than three fourth. years so for a guy like jordan spieth that's passed uh for rory mcelroy that's passed uh for phil mickelson it's long past so mm-hmm. you know it's very interesting it's a very interesting point you can't take these opportunities for granted because there are our hall of fames all-time greats that have never won at least one of them and you know it just the pressure continues to mount to put a bow on Jordan Spieth birdieing hole number 10 each round this week, that hole played over par every single day. So he essentially gains almost five shots on the field on hole 10 alone. That is wow. uh, obviously super special stuff. And the fact that nobody's done it even further proves that point. Okay. Odds and ends, gentlemen. Let's do a, a little betting update here and our one and done update. So Mark led the way with our um, our little betting project here where he gained 52%. So that's 52% ROI. But he was you, Coach, who finished right behind him at 48% ROI thanks to a couple of bets here. Let me see what your winners were. You had Patrick Reed over Webb Simpson in a matchup. You had Jordan Spieth over Justin Thomas. That cashed. 
I believe you had Jordan Spieth top former champion. That would have cashed, correct? Yep. Yes, it yep. did. And yep. then did you win this camp? Oh, you did not win that one. But no, it was a great week of, of matchups. And this former champion for Jordan Spieth was plus 225, which is always nice. Too. Yeah, it was, it was nice. And it was I really felt in control of my picks this week. I, I, I felt like a, a player that things were just jumping off the board. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt like I was giving my, my wrong picks out, even though I still hit several because I was doing great in my personal picks. And for some reason, this course is, is just easy for me to handicap. I'm horrible in, in fantasy, but when it comes to actual betting and, and, and I, I really feel comfortable, uh, you know, handicapping the masters. I love it. Uh, let's let's stay right here with you for your one and done pick, Coach, because you got seventy nine thousand dollars from Paul Casey. You moved to two point two million. This, this is what I hate, and I'm sure you're just as frustrated as I as I am. Casey shoots one of the lowest rounds of the day on Sunday. Finally, finally gets it going, and you look back and you say, "Where was this for the last three days?" That's why I was picking him. I really didn't think. You, remember, <laughs> I told you I, I thought George Spieth was going to win, but what I thought was going to happen was. We would get to Sunday, he would be eight back, and he would do what he did today and finish in the top five. That's what I expected him to do. But Saturday and Friday, he didn't do that. Ah, it was it was tough. Yeah. I had a I had a big outright ticket on Paul Casey too. It was not pretty. My week was not pretty. We'll get to that in a second. Producer Jacob uh, is going to stay right where he is. Two point seven million. He had Patrick Cantlay. See ya. Be- See ya. This was, I mean, Greg, so, so let me, let me just, let me just do this. I had Dustin Johnson as my one and done pick. I was heavily invested and picked Patrick Cantlay to win. Dude comes out and lays an absolute egg. Never looks all that interested in playing golf. Um, I'm hoping to chalk this up as golf happens, but in a, an event that is kind of unwiffable, right? A lot of these guys make the cuts. They're in contention year over year. It is very sticky that this, this hurts. This hurts me. Yeah. You don't want to. You want to go into the weekend with a chance and, and pretty much if you make the cut, you have a chance of getting some excitement, whether it's like what Paul Casey did with a great Sunday round. You always feel like in a one and done format where you don't need the win. Of course, betting outrights is a completely different story, but you, you go in with a, you know, somebody having a top 10 or a top 20 or, or in a one and done. And you always feel like you have a chance heading into Saturday and Sunday where they can really, guys can really vault up the leaderboard. You can see some great rounds and guys can leapfrog a lot of players. So it always makes it interesting. And when you miss a cut and your guys, Patrick Cantlay or your guys, Dustin Johnson, like those are as safe of plays as it gets. So I agree with you, Rick, that stings. Kyle is next. He's at 5.1 million. Thanks to the $666,000 that he got from Jordan Spieth and coach Kyle's on a run. I'm getting a little nervous here in his last five events. He's gained 1.8 million starting to figure it out. Here is our very own KP. Well, that a drives me bananas for one. Um, and this is the third week now that I've screwed myself because I tried to use speed that I already used him. You were sitting on that just waiting. Uh, so I do respect you for gouging me with that uh, last week. That was beautifully done by you. Uh, but KP, I'm not worried about KP. I'm really not. Now he'll, he'll lose focus again in, in end of April and May, and I'll just shoot up that leaderboard. But the fact that he's doing well right now is just, it's just irritating as hell. It really is. <laughs> He is nipping at the heels of you, Greg. You're at 5.3 million. You got $119,000 from Justin Thomas, which I got to tell you, 
I guess this would have been Saturday afternoon. This was looking good, man. When when they got to the rain delay, JT was what? Two shots off the lead. He was feeling himself. He was doing that. I love me some me thing. Like it was, it was, (laughs) it was really good for JT. And then he could just never, he never figured it out. He made a triple on, on 13 on Sunday. And then um, his Sunday round was, was one over. So he just never figured it out after that. He was going to win. He was, he go- he was yeah, going he was to win this tournament. Yeah. He was going yeah. to, I mean, I was watching and I, I agree had, with I had JT as my winner. I had Spieth as my top 10. I had Brian Harmon as my sleeper. I'm sitting there before the rain delay, uh, clicking my heels. I'm like, oh, this is just perfect. And JT is flagging it. He hits it. He nearly makes it at 10. Well, then he misses the putt. And then Hits it on the green at 11 and three putts. And then he makes birdie at 12 and there it's this up and down. And I'm saying, okay, 13 here. He's going to use it. He's going to hit that shot, right? The shot he hit at 10 shot. He hit, I think he hit it at two, a couple of times too. Um, the shot he hit at the players, the rope hook around the trees. And this is perfect. He loves this shot. And he just aimed it way too far, right? Hits it into the trees. And then, He's still in perfect position. He's in perfect (laughs) position after a layup for a guy that I think is the best short iron, best wedge player uh, in that full, not necessarily short game, but wedge wedges in that kind of partial wedge shot area. I think he's the best in the game at it. And he hits it into the uh, race, the tributary to race Creek. I couldn't believe it. And I was just, it seems like every masters JT gets himself in position. He gets really close and there's a moment where it turns. It happens. It's not just for JT. It happens for everyone. And unfortunately, um, it took him out of play for Sunday. It certainly did. I like that. This is like our vent, our vent time for the week. I like this where we get to just vent about events about all of this makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, Mark also took Jordan Spieth, $666,000 for Mark. So he's closing the gap on me. He moves to 6.4 million and coach my run of great picks uh, stops. It is just halted by Dustin Johnson, our defending champion, the number one player in the world. The guy that I thought was probably safer than most gives me exactly zero dollars. Both Dustin Johnson and myself uh, earned the same amount at Augusta National this week, which is not not a good sign. How sad is it that I want to beat you so badly that I actually had DJ in a couple of real money head-to-head matchups, and I didn't care about losing those because he missed the cut, and that meant you didn't get any points. That is sick. It's demented. I didn't care about losing real money or the fact of beating Rick G. That, I've, I've got to change. I've got to change my mentality because that's just wrong. It's wrong on every level. Coach, I, I was thinking the same thing when DJ was <laughs> coming down on Friday. I was like, he's going right. to he's got to miss this cut. I need him to miss, miss it. Because yeah. meanwhile, I'm thinking JT is going to earn me $2 million and I'm going to be right back in the mix. And Rick's prevent defense strategy that we talked about <laughs> earlier in the week isn't working. And I was so excited. Yeah. Uh, I was so, but it turns out he's well, still. Uh, Still leading health by by a healthy margin. Yeah, healthy well, margin. It is, uh, and you know, if he makes the cut, he goes out and shoots like he does that sixty six sixty six thing on the weekend and flies up the leaderboard and gets me T eight money, and that would have been that would have not been pretty. So good thing he <laughs> right, yeah, he did a big moment. Yeah, he did indeed miss the cut. Gentlemen, we have just crowned our 2021 Masters champion, our first major of the calendar year. We actually have a pretty good field for Heritage next week. We'll be back to break all that down, but. Any final parting words for our Masters recap episode? I'm good. I'm good. I just love doing this with you guys so much. And uh, the fact that we're doing it on a Sunday night of the Masters is just super cool for me. So 
So thanks for having me on the show this year, guys. I really, really enjoyed it. Of course. Coach, we love having you. And I second all those things that you said. And look, I also want to just congratulate Hideki Matsuyama. It was hard fought, well-deserved. And I'm really proud and happy for him. Awesome. Awesome stuff. We'll be back at it again on Monday with the DFS breakdown for the RBC Heritage. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank the coach who you can find on Twitter at the coach rules. And let me thank Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time.